Dare to Self-Care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. I'm excited for this episode because I've been really interested in, of course, I have IBS, as do a lot of you. So I've heard from my DMs and just actually connecting with a few of you in person. That seems to be something that really resonates. And that's because through some of these episodes we have coming up, I've been having some gut health, some IBS specialists on the podcast. And just like as I'm, you know, really struggling with it and I'm selfishly having them on the podcast and something I'm realizing, which I had an inkling about, but IBS, it's not real. (laughs) What I mean by that is I'm not invalidating our experiences, but what I mean by that is we go to the GI, we have stomach issues, quote unquote, and they can't figure out what it is. We test negative for celiac, we test negative for SIBO all of the things. And once we get all those negative tests, they're just like, I don't know what you have. So you have IBS. Let's try all these prescription medications. And I'm in the process again with the GI and I'm just like, I had my endoscopy, which is really invasive and again, found nothing. So I'm like, I'll go through all these tests one last time just to make sure. And if they don't find anything, I'm not taking any of their IBS prescription medication. I'm going to work with one of these specialists who I've had on the podcast that really, you know, I feel like could help me and just go from nutrition and lifestyle and go from there. So some of these episodes coming up are really great for just overall holistic health and wellness. And I'm really excited. So before we get into the episode, let's get into what was in alignment and out of alignment for us this week, and you guys reflect on your weeks as well. So in alignment. Okay, this might be overdone for me, but we're back to doing kundalini every day. I don't think I've been this consistent since lockdown season and the pandemic, and I'm really excited to do a video on it, like trying out kundalini for a year. It just, it feels so good to be consistent again. I've been using the schedule that Erica has on her website. So if you are a member of Evolved by Erica, I believe it's $25 a month or $22 a month, something like that. And it's so worth it. There's a schedule. So I've been following that just so like every morning I go to the schedule, I click on whatever it is that day and I don't have to think about it. I never used the schedule before because I liked the idea of just going to whatever I'm intuitively guided to. But sometimes thinking about it and like searching through all the meditations, it just it takes more time and is more stressful. And it's kind of nice to just follow along with the schedule. And it keeps me consistent doing like the same meditation multiple times a week and really tuning into it and tapping into it and following along with the rest of the community. So I'm really liking that right now. Sorry for the notification on my computer. (laughs) And she also has a referral program. So if I, if anyone's interested in trying it out for a month, I believe the first month is either is 50% off or something like that with the code. Um, Just DM me on Instagram and I will send you the referral via email and you'll get a discount just because I am a member. But yeah, it's just been helping me really tap into my authentic self, feel like sillier again, and just like more like myself by doing it every day. This happens every time I get consistent, so I just need to remind myself that it actually helps. This morning, I'm still feeling hungover from the weekend and just having a very slow 
don't want to do anything morning. And I obviously convinced myself like, eh, I don't need to do Kundalini today. It's fine. I'll just watch some YouTube and have a nice little morning. And then as I woke up a bit more, I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I can do a quick 10 minute one. Then I went to the schedule. It was a 14 minute one. I did it and I feel so much better. And it's just a reminder, like these things actually work. So even when we convince ourselves not to do them, which is totally fine, I do it all the time. But when you're hungover or something where you really do need that boost of energy or just feel a little bit more aligned, it really does work for me. And it could be different for everyone. What I was saying this weekend to a friend was like, at the end of the day, all of these practices, because she was showing me a new practice. I had no idea what it was. I forget. I honestly am forgetting the name of it. I'm going to have someone in the podcast to dive into it. I forget what it was, but it was another modality. And it's just like all of these things, they lead to the same result, right? They're just different avenues to get there. So whatever resonates with you most feels best for you. We're all just trying to feel more like ourselves, clear out limiting beliefs, feel more relaxed, get rid of anxiety, like they all lead to the same thing. As I'm, you know, looking more into Reiki and sound healing and all of these things, and I have these episodes with experts, I'm starting to realize it's like, we're all just striving for the same thing. And there's so many different avenues we could take to get there. So with that being said, what was out of alignment? Honestly, as I mentioned, I'm still feeling hungover and puffy and tired and dehydrated from going out this weekend. I love just like, girls nights like I love going out but like the going out out like pre-gaming going out going to a concert drinking at the concert drinking after the concert it's like oh my god it was so fun and I definitely need a night like that like once a month or once in a while so zero regrets but I feel like shit so <laughs> I'm just like that's all I can think about so I'm feeling just hungover and I really want to prioritize hydration this week and not alcohol and I have a girls' night Wednesday night where we're just having a cuddle vent sesh, so I'm so excited for that, and I think that'll be the cure. Like, we can socialize without raging, <laughs> but it was also much needed. Like, I had the best night. So let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. <sighs> okay, our guest this week, her name is Lahana Vigliano. She is the CEO of Nuvitru Wellness and a board-certified clinical nutritionist. She holds a Bachelor of Nutrition Science degree and is almost finished with her Master's of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine. She is passionate about women's health, especially gut health and hormones. She's obsessed with natural remedies, research, reading, weightlifting, and cooking. And Nuvitru Wellness, her company, is helping women balance hormones and restore gut health with a team of certified nutritionists and dietitians. So what we talked about in this episode, what did we not talk about? We talked about all things gut health and hormonal imbalance. How do you know when you don't have optimal gut health or have a hormonal imbalance? What even is a leaky gut? How can we sift through all of the recommendations out there and find what works for our own bodies? And after that, I was like, so what are the best supplements for digestion that work for most people? So she gave us that, how to find food sensitivity tests that are accurate and actually could give us, you know, some sort of foundation, how different forms of exercise can affect our hormones and our gut and birth control. I just went off birth control this week, so stay tuned for the updates on that, but we were talking about how, did you know you've not gotten your period while you're on birth control? 
Like you just, if you've been on it for years, you have not been getting your real period and we're growing up to be the most infertile generation because of birth control and birth control leads to IBS. Who knew? So then we talk about the best natural birth control alternative to the pill if we are struggling with IBS and just want to get off the pill in general. So we talk about that. (sighs) If you can tell, we talk about it all, all things gut and hormonal imbalances. So please take a screenshot and put this episode on your Instagram stories if you're loving the podcast so we can have more like-minded individuals join this beautiful community and I can have more amazing guests on the podcast like Lahana. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Lahana. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Of course. I'm so excited. I was just, you know, we were just talking before we clicked start recording about how I have been struggling as most listeners will know, with my IBS and also debating going off birth control recently. So you seem like an expert in both of those fields. So I'm very excited. Yes. And it's, I, like I said, I, it's such a common issue and there is absolutely a connection too. So you're on the right track of like how you're thinking, which is awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to get into all of that, but we have to start every episode with your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success. Mm. Honestly, I'm the most bougie self-care person, you know. <laughs> That's exciting. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's very long. <laughs> oh, let's see. I mean, my routine is is absolutely and my planner, that is like what keeps me going. So right now I'm like time blocking and that's what keeps me productive and going and checking off all the things, literally like putting in my calendar, watching Vampire Diaries with my daughter tonight. Um, that is it. as important as an important an appointment. But everything from like red light therapy, sauna, girl, you name it, like everything's a part of like my self-care process that helps with my health and productivity. Okay. Interesting. So I love that your tip was productivity, first of all, because I am also a sucker for planning out every little thing in my Google calendar. I could not survive without it. How are you batching? Like, are you doing a day is dedicated to one, you know, section of your business or is it like just per hour per appointment? Um, actually, yeah, I would say per hour, per appointment, um, appointments always come first. Um, and then just, I usually will fit in all the other things I need to do. Like I had to finish up like our March content calendar. I did that from like nine to 11 and now I'm here and I have appointments for the next couple hours and stuff. But yeah, I usually just do it by the hour and make sure I fit in the lunch break and the dinner and also just kid stuff, like picking up my kid and spending time with my kids. Um, so I, I just think when I do that, I just go to bed feeling so accomplished and like awesome. <laughs> I'm with you. I know a lot of people say that the whole like living by your Google calendar thing, scheduling everything out stresses them out, but I need to know that everything's going to be taken care of and it is out of my mind and into the calendar. So it makes me feel so much better too. Yes. I think that there are times 
when, if I'm feeling really stressed and overwhelmed, I won't be as intense with it. So I do go with the flow, but there are times where I woke up today and I'm like, man, there have been things on my to-do list that I keep putting off. Like the day keeps getting in the way when on, in reality, it's probably just me scrolling social media too much. And there you go. There's a whole hour that I could have been doing to it. So that's why I'm like, I need to time block today. I actually need to do it and get the stuff done that I keep putting off. (laughs) Yeah, I completely relate. It's like when I'm feeling really inspired and energized, I'm like, I got to put it all in the calendar. And Mm -hmm. then when I'm feeling more overwhelmed and like I need to give myself some grace, I'm definitely more lenient with it. So I get that. Um, You also mentioned red light therapy. Is that something you're doing at home? Do you go somewhere for that? I've always been very intrigued by it. I've never done it. Yeah, no, I actually, I do it at home. Um, I have bought from the company Vital Red. Um, I feel like they are super affordable, not super affordable. They're still expensive for, for the light therapy. Right. But for the product, I don't know. Maybe I was just watching a lot of other brands. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like thousands of dollars. Like I'm, it's something I have to just forever save up for, it seems like. Um, and then I ran into this company, I think on Black Friday. And even then it was an even better deal. And I was like, right. okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. And so I got like not a huge one, but not a handheld. So it's like a medium size and it's amazing. I do it like in the morning um, because it gives you, which is weird because it also helps with sleep. So I do it at night too, but it gives you this like energy, but it's not like energy that would keep you up. It's it's so weird to explain. It's like a cellular energy. I don't know. There's something about it. It just is warm and it just gets you going. Okay. I need to have, I think I'm going to have a red light expert on here next. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Please do. It's so awesome. And I barely know, like I've looked into some of the science, but it really helps target like mitochondria and cellular health, um, which is amazing. So that's why I, it's really popular in spas. So people have on your face, but um, I also target it towards my abdomen. So like gut health and liver and all that stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to go with what feels good. Even if like you don't know every single detail about it, you're like, this feels right. Yeah. This is doing something. So we're going to go with it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, I want to get into all things gut health and hormones. So you're the CEO of Nuvitru Wellness, where you help women balance hormones and restore gut health, all the things that I need and I'm sure so many women need. So is this something you were always interested in or did you have your own personal journey that led you to want to dive deeper and help other women? Um, definitely have a history of loving healthcare. Um, not so much nutrition and the integrative medicine. I was actually pre-med. I actually knew I wanted to be a doctor because that's really the only occupation I knew of when I was five. Um, <laughs> but then when I was actually in pre-med and I started seeing a pill for every ill being taught, Um, It definitely steered me away. Um, And also just being a young mom, me and my husband, he was my obviously boyfriend at the time, but we started having kids when I was like 17. So we have two, 11 and eight year old. Um, So I'm a cool young mom. (laughs) And I think I am. (laughs) But I think having kids young also wanted me to make sure that my kids was not another statistic, raising them healthy. Um, and so I think with being a young mom and just kind of seeing what pre like the med field is, I was like, yeah, that's not really what I want to do in life. I just don't want to prescribe people pills. Like I do think that there's something more to it. And then I was, I had to do a nutrition class and, you know, it kind of opened up my eyes, still wasn't sold, but I'm like, Let, let's take this route. Cause I like where this is going. And then when, yeah, when I was really into it and just seeing food as medicine and how it is just so healing and we see it in our practice all the time, it's it's really incredible. So yeah, that's, I thankfully 
thank goodness, have not had a health issue that like turned me into this. But even with some of our lab testing and stuff, yeah, I found out um, I had some mold issues and all that stuff like internally. So, I mean, there were things, but I was never crazy symptomatic, but I'm just natural person that loves to dive into and be a guinea pig and do all these labs and really get to know me internally that like you won't always know just by looking at someone. So well, thank God for people like you because I want the information, but I do not want to do all that digging. <laughs> so I'm here to just squeeze all the information out of you. Yes. So I want to start with gut health because that is something for me. And I'm curious if you find this in most women. It's like I'm most familiar with gut health because I have IBS, but I'm not as familiar with hormonal imbalances and what that looks like and what that means. I don't know if it's a generalized, like women just aren't given enough information about their hormones. Whereas we have like gastroenterologists to go to. And I know there are endocrinologists for hormonal imbalances, but I just don't feel like it's addressed. I feel like we've been thrown the pill since we were younger. And that was kind of like the solution, which I want to get into. But starting with gut health, how do you know when you don't have optimal gut health? And is gut health does that equate to like also IBS? Because I do feel like a gut health recipe versus like a low FODMAP recipe for IBS is different. Yes, yes. But I actually would say I, I have issues with low FODMAP. We actually don't do low FODMAP. I hate low FODMAP. Practice. So that's really exciting to hear. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, because it's really just a Band-Aid. But I mean, going back to the basics. So gut health, I it. To me, when I say gut health, I think of everything from stomach all the way down to colon. So like everything from in between that. So intestines and stomach stuff. And I feel like IBS, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a diagnosis, but it's honestly just like, hey, your bowel is irritable. We don't know why, but yes. it's irritable. <laughs> no, that's how I feel. I have gone to yeah. three GIs. I get all the tests and I'm like, I know how this is going to end. They're going to say, we didn't find anything. You have IBS. It's just like, this is your label now because you have stomach issues and we don't know why. Yes. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Um, And I've actually spoken to gastroenterologist's office before, um, nurse practitioners and doctors. And I mean, I think I always knew it, but I think hearing it from their mouth of saying, if you, if a patient doesn't do well with this medication for IBS, we honestly, like, we just try something else. Like we try another medication. Like that is the solution. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much like gray area here that you're missing, Um, which you totally need to do one of our stool tests. It's amazing. We always find things going on that has always been missed, which is awesome. But um, symptom wise, usually if you are struggling with gut stuff, it's going to be things like Um, bloating, having a lot of water retention, um, alternating and or having one or the other of diarrhea, constipation, um, gaining weight, abdominal pain, um, chronic fatigue, heartburn, and then also things like on your skin. So acne and psoriasis, it really all kind of stems from gut health, which is one of the things why I I love so much about gut health because it's such a great place to start is because all these things that no one really connects the dots to like psoriasis, it's a skin thing. Like you naturally would not think like, oh, let me look into my gut health. It's so crazy. There's always something tied into the gut because that's where a lot of it stems from. But those are the top symptoms we see when people are struggling with gut issues. And I mean, we definitely, we do different type of testing in our practice. So we absolutely find a lot of things that were missed um, because they're just not things that are normally tested for in like the traditional realm of things. So I listened to one of your podcast episodes about bloating. 
and or IBS. I don't remember exactly what like the title was, but you were saying, you know, let's normalize. Like you're always going to look or feel a little bloated or just like not have a flat stomach after eating. Like waking up Jen versus after dinner Jen is always going to look different. So how can you tell the difference between just natural, like I'm full, so I don't have a literal empty stomach versus I'm uncomfortable, something's off. Exactly. I'm uncomfortable. It's painful. And it's like, I'm like six months pregnant bloat. It's like that extreme type bloat or it's painful bloat. And then even sometimes too, I don't think that you always have to like, by dinner time, you'll definitely look different. I definitely have days where I look pretty similar to wake up. But then I also have days where I definitely am like, not close, but definitely not extreme, like where I'm really paint filled with pain or it's too bloated. Um, But, you know, it's really all about like assessing your day. Um, Even beforehand, was I really stressed out? Did I get adequate hydration? Like, was I just rushing around and am I eating all my meals really quickly because I'm busy and I'm trying to like, you know, do all these things. So all of those can make digestion function lowered and give you more bloating in the evening too. So it's never, it's not always like you have a parasite or you have a yeast overgrowth or bacteria stuff. It could just be something simple of you need to slow down and you need to chew your food and right. <laughs> all that stuff. So I feel like a lot of us have heard the term leaky gut. Is that a generalized term similar to IBS or is that like a very specific condition? And how do you know if you have leaky gut? That's a good question. Um, I would definitely say more generalized. And I know that's like the layman's terms. It's technically called intestinal permeability. Um, I, f- I hate when people that aren't integrative, like different practitioners are like, leaky gets fake. No, it actually is a thing for sure. Don't ever let anyone tell you different. Um, testing is usually the only way to actually confirm that you have that going on, but it's kind of assumed you have leaky gut. If you have something like IBS or if you're having like skin things like the acne and psoriasis and eczema, things of that nature, Or if you're having a lot of food sensitivities or food allergies, it's kind of assumed you probably have leaky gut as well. I would say that's pretty common in our stool test when we see it. Um, But there there are times where people don't actually have leaky gut, but they do have some things going on. Um, But those are the top symptoms that I like pretty much assume too. But yes, you want to heal and seal your gut and work on your supporting that intestinal gut lining. But most of the time that's triggered by something. So it's usually inside your microbiome, all your little bugs of parasites or yeast or bacteria, not having enough bacteria, like that's going to be your goal for really supporting gut. In addition to like giving like L-glutamine and all these herbs that help support your mucosa lining, like that's absolutely key. But I've never, at least for us, we've never just done that. It's always with in addition to other things. Okay. So something I struggle with in all of this is this like one size fits all approach to gut health. And like I said, you know, I have IBS or in other words, I have stomach issues with no explanation. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'll look up like, as I tried to figure out how to, you know, cope with it holistically, I'll look up, you know, gut health accounts. But when you compare like a gut health recipe to then like a low FODMAP recipe or IBS friendly recipe, they a lot of the times look different. So, or like, you know, one account will recommend one supplement, one will say don't take any supplements, you know, you can't digest them well. So 
I guess my question is like, is there anything in the gut health world that truly applies to everyone? Like any supplements that help you digest optimally, or is there just a better way to navigate through it all? I'm definitely a fan of testing and not guessing for sure, because you're absolutely right. Like what works for one person, like a gut diet may or may not work for you. And I feel like there's a lot of frustration that goes into that because people try to DIY and then they honestly stop believing that like food will work or supplements will work. They've tried it all, but maybe it's seriously the things that they don't need. Or it's a combination maybe like if you're like one supplement might work on its own, but you're combining it with you know, yes. food that triggers you. So you're not gaining the optimal benefit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm such a fan of like testing and not DIYing, which is kind of mind blowing to me that we DIY our like diet and this part. But like, if we have a cavity, we go to the dentist. If we need our oil change in our car, we go to like mechanic for some reason, maybe it's social media or the web. I don't know why people feel like they have to do this on their own when you absolutely cannot. Like I wish women came to us before they hit 50. Like we see women who are 50. Like I've been struggling with this for 30 years. I'm like, why, 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 why have you been struggling? Like you didn't have to struggle with this for 30 years. Granted there's, you know, the financial investment can be a lot, especially in the functional medicine, the integrated realm. But like, there's so many years that have been saved if you could, and you just want to invest. I highly recommend it. But I mean, the only supplement that I can think of that naturally is pretty good for people across the board, even though I have seen people react negatively to it, is L-glutamine because it's such a beneficial amino acid that helps support your intestinal lining. Um, So it's in most of our protocols for sure. Um, But I definitely see people, it gives them anxiety. Um, They just don't react well. So definitely everything is like different for everyone through diet. Um, Some people, we can go ahead and start them on utilizing different legumes like based on their stool test maybe they don't have anything pathogenic but they like are very low in immune function and you're good bacteria and we can start like incorporating these legumes slash beans right away or starchy veggies and some people we might have to restrict it just for a short period of time while we combine that with some antimicrobial herbs like the solution is truly different for everyone Um, But I like L-glutamine and then digestive enzymes would be my other one. But even that I feel like is not always needed in everyone. Um, And dosing is very different for everyone. And then food wise, I would say bone broth is across the board going to be good for, I say that across the board and then I have like a little like asterisk, like actually it might not be, but bone broth is super easy to digest. It's amazing for vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. Um, I'd say my asterisk there is that people who have gut issues tend to react to histamines a little bit more because an enzyme made in the gut breaks down histamine. So if your gut isn't great, you might not be making this enzyme. So histamine starts to build up and makes you feel really crappy. So because of that, bone broth is naturally higher in histamines. So it may have to change like how long you cook the broth or different a different company um, that might not cook the broth just as long. So there's all these little intricate things. So there's a huge gray area in nutrition. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've heard of L-glutamine. Actually, I'm pretty sure my boyfriend takes that. Is that every single night? Like how does one take that? Dosing is very different. Um, it could be everything from like three grams to 25 grams, depending on the person, but daily. And then um, if you're taking a higher dose of it, um, usually I like to break it up just because yeah. it's a lot <laughs> all at once. 
when it comes to digestive enzymes, I've been curious lately, is there, can you just grab any digestive enzyme? Is there a certain dosage you should take? Are there better brands than other brands? How do you find the right one for you? <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. I would say most of what we use is more practitioner grade supplements. So we have like our virtual dispensary that honestly anyone can shop for. You don't have to be a client to shop from our virtual dispensary, but they're all more practitioner grades. So we don't really work with any that you just can buy in store, but you can definitely buy these um, online through our dispensary. And I actually have like four different brands on there. So I definitely am not stuck with one brand. Um, definitely depends on the person on dose. Some people need one capsule per meal. Some people need three. Um, some people need different combinations of the digestive enzymes plus, plus HCL or plus pepsin. Like there's a variety of different blends. So it really depends on the person. And I would say we love lab testing here because we're testing your fecal fats. We're testing if you vegetable fibers, if you're digesting carbs, we're testing protein, if you have meat fiber. So are you not breaking down your protein? And all of that based on your test will like decide, okay, this is like the digestive enzyme you need, but it's not just stopping there either. Like we don't want you to have to rely on that forever, but it's great to give you that temporary support while we're working on like the long-term gut health. Right. So when you're mentioning these tests, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I've definitely heard before like food sensitivity tests are inaccurate. They're testing, I think like the antibody reactions, which might not be equivalent to like how you're actually reacting. Is that, are you using a different test or what are your thoughts on that? Correct. You, so most food sensitivity tests on the market, um, I would say 99% of them are going to be testing IgG. Um, I like to think of IgG as the mailman, um, not the endpoint, not the mail that he's delivering. So sometimes the mail is an inflammatory bill. <laughs> and then sometimes it's something super fun, like a clothes package that has nothing to do with inflammation. Um, and a food sensitivity is it produces inflammation. So if you're testing the middleman and not the endpoint, that's where a lot of people can start avoiding things that they don't need to. They come back with a lot of food sensitivities when all it is is that your body is just recognizing you ate the food. Um, so that is my point there for all the ones on the market. And we have clients that have got them done. And I'm like, I take it with a grain of salt. Like I'll, I'll recognize it and say, you know, this is a pretty common one. Like eggs is common. It's interesting. Eggs is the one food that I don't feel bad. Like I, I eat eggs every single day because it's the only, only thing that I've nailed down that I know I don't react to, but I keep hearing everyone reacts to eggs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like, that's exactly it. Like most people react to eggs. But honestly, most people can bring them back because food sensitivities aren't forever. They are forever changing. And once you improve gut health, you can start introducing these foods back in. So are those tests a good foundation to at least narrow it down to what you should look at or not even? <laughs> and not, I really don't like IgG testing, okay. but we do an MRT. So this is testing the endpoint. So this is testing, does asparagus produce cytokines? That cytokines is inflammation. Um, so it's testing the endpoint, not the middleman. Um, and I actually will only jump into this test. Um, I usually will like recommend doing stool first, like hands down, like let's get to the root of it. But I'll only 
make people do this test sooner is if their inflammation markers on their stool test come back insane. Okay. Um, because then, yes, it is something we do have in our control right now that we can start taking out to reduce inflammation. But it's still not a forever thing. Like food sensitivities can come back three months, six months, a year, just depends on how bad the sensitivity is. Um, but I also wanted to say, cause you said you eat eggs every day. Don't do that because oh, no. eating over consuming a food is one of the reasons why food sensitivities can happen. So you don't want to, you want to make sure, which I think this is everyone's end goal. You want to make sure that you're eating a diverse diet. You're not eating the same things every day. I think week by week is okay. So if like you meal prep and a frittata and um, some sweet potato, chicken, or whatever. Like eating it throughout the week is great, but like don't eat that same thing the following week. Make sure that you are diversifying your groups. Okay, hold on, Ethan. Over consuming the same food too much can cause a food insensitivity. So that's why you're now reacting to peanut butter, and I have to stop eating eggs every day. <laughs> stop making those eggs back there. He's I'm so upset. <laughs> That is really upset. See, it's just another layer of like even just the pressure of having to diversify your meals every week. It's like the stress of that can then cause more inflammation in the body because stress and anxiety. Yeah. It's so it's it's like such a cycle. Yeah, that's why like you need to have someone that's there to like support you through it and to guide guide you through it so it's not overwhelming and you can take it step by step. But I remember when I did my food sensitivity test and I got chicken. I was like, really? I was like, I don't think I eat that much chicken. And then I was like actually sitting there and I'm like, yeah, I guess we have chicken for dinner right. like, you know, three times three times a week. I guess I have chicken sausage in the morning. I guess sometimes I'll have leftovers, which I'll have chicken for lunch. And I'm like, crap, I eat chicken <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Never mind. So I had to take it out for a little bit and I'm, I'm okay with it now. Well, that's good because chicken's like the easiest thing to make. Okay. I had two questions on that. One... When you mentioned a stool sample test, sample test is that a similar test to the stool sample test we typically get at the GI doctor, or you use a different one? Oh my gosh, yes, it's so different. There's so much more information. Okay, so what's the difference? So usually doctors will test for, and sometimes not parasites. Um, they'll test for food poisoning bacteria, so your salmonella, your intense E. coli strains. And then usually like calprotectin or lactoferrin for one inflammatory marker. Sometimes there's digestive enzymes, but I see a lot of times not. Um, they say that because a lot of people have had these tests done and then they bring it to us and we'll kind of see what's been tested. Um, and that would probably be the most like the basics of what I see conventional, traditional um, still test do. So ours will, we have like six inflammatory markers. We have parasites, yeast, and then bacteria, not just food poisoning bacteria, but your good bacteria, your probiotics, as well as the opportunistic bacteria. And this is where I feel like this is what's missed a lot is these bacteria aren't food poisoning bacteria, but when they have opportunity, your gut health isn't that great. Maybe you're stressed and it's reducing your immune function. So they are able to overgrow, whatever it is. Um, these are the things that are high and they're still causing these symptoms that cause IBS and just all these uncomfortable symptoms. And then we test bile acid metabolites, how your immune system's functioning, um, different things like occult blood, which I guess that's also in traditional testing. And that can rule out like things like colon cancer or Crohn's or colitis, the more intense things. 
as well as digestive enzyme markers. We have like eight of them that we test for. Yeah. So you guys dive deeper into it, basically. Like you're diving deeper into the gut rather than just what the GI is trained to do, which is like look for these larger issues. Like, are you celiac? Exactly. Yeah. So first of all, maybe a stupid question, but like what – what are you guys called? Are you nutritionists? Are you gut health professionals? Like if someone is looking for someone to guide them through their IBS journey in a more holistic and very much more specific and detailed way, like who should they be looking for? So you're definitely going to want to look for like functional medicine. Um, and that's a variety. So our team is dietitians, And when you, oh my gosh, it's, it's so hard to, because there's so many different like things to do, but, um, in the sense of food, technically dietitians are the best credentialed, um, just because they have been gone through traditional school. Um, so like we, I am actually not, I'm a nutrition, a clinical nutritionist, um, but I also had to do school. So I have my undergrad in nutrition science. I have my master's in human nutrition, functional medicine, and I actually start my doctorate in October. But cool. besides the point, um, dietitians, you know, that they've had conventional training. Absolutely. Unfortunately, that's just what our schooling is. But a lot of times if you're searching like functional medicine dietitian, you know that they have extra training. And if then if they specialize in gut, you know, they've had extra training in gut. Um, the downfall with, if you're looking for someone in nutrition and you just search nutritionist, which, you know, so that would technically be me, um, but not every nutritionist has a degree. Right. They could honestly have done like a three or six month program, which in my opinion, and maybe this is just because I've gotten my master's, there's just no way to like fit the information that you need to know in like a three or six month nutritionist program. And all of a sudden you're certified. That's just my two cents. Um, so I'm still a big fan of traditional schooling in addition to the extra functional medicine training. Um, so that's what you should look for if you're looking for someone with food. But I mean, I'm such a fan of working with functional medicine doctor um, and just, you know, diversifying your team of healthcare. And are you, do you guys do virtual sessions too? Yeah, we do. Oh, cool. So you would like send the test, like how, how do you do testing virtually? Exactly. We send you a kit, you take your sample, and then you send it back to oh, the cool. lab. So it's actually pretty simple. Okay. I'm going to look into that because I need I need guidance. And the fact that you do yes. like IBS help and then also hormonal, I that's like the two things that I'm figuring out right now. So we're going to chat out. Double whammy. Yes. Yeah. So let's get into that though. Like how, I guess let's start there. How are hormones affecting our gut health and our day-to-day -day life? Yeah. So um, let's see. One, two... I would say there's the there's hundreds of hormones, but the ones that we focus on are thyroid, um, blood sugar, so you're like your insulin, um, sex hormones, so estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and then your adrenals, which is your cortisol, it's your stress hormone. So how it how we'll start with how hormones affect gut, um, sex or not sex hormones, cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Like I mentioned, down regulates our immune system and then allows these things to overgrow in our gut and cause issues. I see stress being a root cause for a lot of people. Um, and then there is thyroid, which hyper, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's is really prevalent right now, which is super unfortunate. Um, but when you have hypothyroid, your gut becomes very sluggish. Um, as with everything, you have trouble losing weight, you have sluggish body temp, you have sluggish energy, like if your thyroid isn't working properly, everything is basically sluggish. Constipation, everything sluggish. 
Um, so that also includes like slower gut motility, and then this is going to increase your risk for a lot of imbalances and stuff. So that's how hormones like affect gut from what we see. And then how gut affects hormones is that our sex hormones, our estrogen or progesterone, um, all of that is actually one of the last dominoes to fall in the grand scheme of things. Like there's so many other things, blood sugar balance, thyroid, gut, that really fall out of place first. And then your sex hormones are really just following the, the lead. Um, so if your gut is imbalanced with some of the bacteria that we mentioned earlier, this increases an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. And this enzyme is when you're done with your hormones, pretend it goes into a tilotaxi from the liver as it's detox. And it's like on its way out of the body, um, which is through poop. Um, but when you have higher levels of this enzyme, because your bacteria is off, it's going to like knock on the taxi door and be like, where are you going? Like, come back in. Like, we're not done. Let's party. Like, come back and be absorbed. So now we're seeing a lot of estrogen dominance because all the hormones that are trying to leave the body are getting reabsorbed um, through the gut. And so that's the connection between how an imbalanced gut can throw off your sex hormones. That is so interesting. There's just so much that goes on in our bodies that I'm so unaware of. (laughs) Right? It makes you want to hug your body like, thank you for doing all the things. Well, so that's what I've been struggling with recently is the more I'm learning about this and the more I'm struggling with IBS and and learning way more about birth control, which I've been on for 10 years, I'm realizing like because I've been struggling so much with IBS and not really able to get to the bottom of anything at the end of the day for so many years, I'm like, I feel like I don't know my body. Like, I feel like I don't yeah. truly understand or know my own body, which is oddly enough, like a pretty scary feeling. And I feel like it's more of a women issue than a man issue in terms of like understanding and feeling like you are not only like knowing what's going on in your body, but feeling it. Yes. So how, how do we know if we totally. have a hormonal imbalance? I guess like what are symptoms? And then also is it as simple as a test? Is it easier to find your hormonal imbalances than it is to find out what the hell is wrong with your stomach? <laughs> I honestly, I feel like gut is a little bit easier. Cause uh. like I said, like your sex hormones are, they're just following the lead okay. to everything else that they're getting, like being told um, because your reproduction is honestly, it's really not needed. You don't need to have a baby to live. Right. Um, and honestly, that is the whole point of our reproductive system, whether you want a baby or not. It is to ovulate and make a baby. That is the Super Bowl every single month. That's why we have our periods. Crazy. So I feel it's easier. And even if you're focusing on gut health, by no means are you ignoring hormones. You actually are doing, you're like killing many birds with one stone when you focus on gut. Um, So that's why I like starting there anyways. But there is tests to do, but... With us, again, if you have prominent gut issues, I will say we will absolutely not look at hormones right now. Um, at least not your sex hormones. Maybe blood sugar, maybe thyroid, maybe your adrenals, sure, because they can also like come together pretty intricately with your gut. But I mean, with sex hormones, you just have to be patient. That's the biggest thing. Um, but if you're on birth control, yeah, that's a mountain that you will forever be climbing up. You will never get balanced hormones on birth control. And a lot of women are get given birth control to balance hormones. But in reality, it really just short shuts down your natural hormone production and your bleed that you have on a birth control pill is not a period. It's I just learned this. Bleed. I yeah. just learned through Alyssa Vitti's book, um, In the Flow, that we'd are, I'm not actually getting my period. So no, what does no, that no, no, mean? No. 
Like what, what does that mean for your body to not actually get your period for many years? I mean, you, the whole, the whole point of birth control is it, it takes away your gut or not your gut, your brain ovary communication. So your, yeah, your natural hormones are not being produced. And I think that's why I actually saw a meme on this and I'm like, this is so accurate. Um, a lot of women, which is, I mean, it's not our fault, right? We, we trust our doctors to give us the right recommendations. And it isn't until years later that you start diving into it yourself or whatever, that you're like, okay, maybe this wasn't the right thing. And that's why I have issues with people think medical doctors are the end all be all to health. And it's absolutely not true. They specialize in pharmaceuticals and take care of us. And yes, you get a broken leg. Do not come see us go, you know, that's what they're there for, but by no means are they the only healthcare provider that's going to give you actually balanced hormones and optimal living, to be honest. They're there to make sure you don't die. Um, which is we need it like love, love, love when it's needed. Right. But yeah. So what we're seeing or what this meme actually said is we're seeing all these millennials or whatever generation you want to say be given birth control at such a young age. And then we are growing up to be the most infertile generation. Um, just so many other issues, birth control depletes of depletes us of so many nutrients, um, as well as affecting gut health, you have a higher risk of like inflammatory bowel disease when you're on birth control pill, blood clots. I mean, there's so many things that aren't talked about. And it's unfortunate because we've had to learn just from experiences of other women of like, okay, this actually might not be safe to do long term, which I, I would agree with. Yeah. So then do you usually recommend, because I've heard awful things now about an IUD as well. So are you... Like what, what is your recommendation in terms of birth control? Is it just like the natural route? Yeah. If you're not wanting to have a baby, it's for like pregnancy prevention. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a fan of like fertility awareness method and learning your cycle. You can only get pregnant. I say five days out of the month, just because sperm can live in you for, you know, days. Um, So that's why that's higher. But technically you only have 24 hours to ovulate and really make the egg a baby. Um, so it's really about learning your cycle. And I mean, none of my kids were surprises by any means. They definitely were no. My parents never listened to this, um, especially because I was so young. Yeah. <laughs> but they definitely weren't uh, O's by any means. So about learning your cycle and doing your basal body temperature and being familiar with your cervical mucus, like all of these things are your body's signs of Hey, we're ovulating, like increased libido around that time. Again, it's all like nature trying to make a baby. And just when you know it and you track it and you be diligent with it, I mean, it's, well, I, I don't know. I think like, why would you want birth control for 30 days when you can, in reality, only get pregnant for like five of those? That's also really funny and inconvenient when you're trying not to have a child and it's increased libido around ovulation. <laughs> I know, right? You're like, dang it. <laughs> Mother nature. It's so funny. <laughs> is that something you will help with? Like a, like allowing or holding space for women when they're coming off birth control to figure out yeah, how to navigate that and what supplements they might need? Yes. We love working with women, honestly, beforehand, before you get going, just because there's a lot of things that like through supporting detoxification and gut health is huge. Um, supporting that first before you get off of it and then like continuing the process when you get off of it and after, but it helps so much from like the rebound. 
of um, getting off of birth control because, you know, all those PMS symptoms or whatever you're struggling with can start flooding back. Again, very normal because birth control is absolutely just a Band-Aid. Um, so it's normal to kind of come back with the things you were struggling with in the first place. But when you do some prep work and during, it definitely makes it a lot more enjoyable, I guess. Okay. Interesting. It's, I was curious about that. Like when, when you're trying to figure out your gut health, if you should really just go off birth control during or after or what? So that, that actually answered my next question. I feel like I should have done nice. like a part one gut health, part two hormones. Cause I have so many questions for you. <laughs> um, but before we go into the ending segment, just like if someone isn't necessarily in the space or going to, you know, go to someone like you right now for hormonal imbalances or just doesn't have any huge issues right now. What are some, some tips for people just to best support their hormones with diet or lifestyle? Do you have any like general tips? I would say definitely eating enough is huge. Um, that's going to benefit gut health and hormones. I feel like that's the number one thing I see. And I, I, it's a lot of women who aren't trying to undereat. They think they don't undereat. Um, they follow hunger cues and they're like, I eat three meals a day and I'm not hungry. But when we actually look at it, they're absolutely not eating enough. Um, so I think eating enough is huge because that's going to allow your body to say like, it's safe. Um, you can have a normal cycle. Like it's just amazing in every regard of health. Um, so eating enough, eating balanced, um, I think in this diet culture, there's always some type of food we're demonizing or food group. And it's like keto and low carb. And honestly, if especially if you're in your reproductive phase of life, I think carbs, proteins, and fats all play a role. So eating balanced and every meal having a carb, protein, and fat, um, which will also help stabilize blood sugar, which will then flow into all other happy hormones as well. And, you know, I think supplement-wise, possibly like a multivitamin to cover bases, but even that sometimes not needed. Um, so I would just focus on food. And if you can answer the questions, can you grow it or can you kill it? Then that, you're at a really good starting place. You're eating real wholesome foods. Um, and I don't like saying processed foods anymore just because there can be healthier processed foods mm-hmm. too. So I'm not opposed to like processed foods, but more so getting away from like really bad quality ones and focusing in on like nourishment and viewing eating as such a sacred, amazing thing that we get to do every day. And we have grocery stores that have all of the things that we need um, and really just prioritizing it and sitting down, taking deep breaths before your meals, chewing and really slowing down. I think that it's so underrated for hormone health and gut health. We're always on the go and rushing around when we just need to relax. You're telling me I live in New York City, so I understand. (laughs) Hustle bustle. Yeah. Okay, let's get into fun facts and favorites. What is your morning routine? Okay, my bushiness is coming up. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited for this one. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely getting the kids ready. That's usually the first thing I do because I have two kids, so I have to get them out the door and ready for school. So cooking and packing lunches, but I always am listening to like an audible book. I actually, it's March 9th as we're recording, and I've listened to, not listened, I've also read physical books, but I've listened slash read. 16 books so far this year. Wow. So I am a book nerd through and through. I'll do a mix of Jesus and entrepreneurship. And I actually don't do health because in between my degrees, I want to take a break from that because I'm so textbook heavy. Um, 
with that kind of stuff. So I'll listen to a book and then I'll get them out the door and then I'll have breakfast and my matcha. And usually I'll combine that with doing like a Bible study or some type of book um, for my faith. And then I usually will work out if it's a workout day, drink my pre-workout during breakfast. Um, but then I also do things like my red light therapy every morning. And sometimes I'll do that while I'm reading. It just kind of depends. Um, but it's really important for me to like start my day off right, mind, physical. It just helps the rest of my day go so much smoother. And then writing, I usually like to do this actually the night before, but reconnecting like my, with my planner, like, okay, what do I have to do today? What's my schedule look like? And just, you know, start off feeling strong. Well, first of all, I agree. Sorry. He distracted me. I, I agree. <laughs> my morning routine is absolutely crucial, but that sounds like you do a lot, especially with kids. So when are you waking up and when does your work day start? So I wake up at six. Okay. Um, I don't wake up anything crazy. And then I would say probably nine o'clock or nine 30 is usually when my work day starts. Okay. Same here. All right. Yeah. What is, since you just mentioned it, what is your favorite entrepreneurship book? Ooh, that's a good one. Right now. Um, I am absolutely digging. Um, we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. I've heard of this. Um, it's so good. Um, I feel like I constantly need to work on money mindset um, because what we do is so valuable. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's definitely a struggle of I have lots to balance. I have to make sure my business is profitable. I have to make sure my employees are happy and I have to make sure my clients are happy. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant like triangle that I'm always trying to balance to make sure we're living our best lives. My employees are living their best lives and their clients are living their best lives. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I've heard of that book. I really do want to listen to it. I feel like when it's the That's right good. time and feels, you know, like it's what I need in the moment, I'm hundred percent going to read that. That's okay. Good. Well, before I ask this next question, do you do workout classes? I actually do not. Okay. Um, I hate workout <gasps> classes. No. I, <laughs> I am such a rebel and a solo person. <laughs> I don't do a lot of cardio. I did start incorporating a little bit of HIIT, um, but I mostly strength train and I just really go based on like what my body's feeling. So I'll alternate between lower and upper body, but honestly, like does squats feel good? Okay. Do I want to go heavy or do I want to go light? And it also depends on where I'm at in my cycle. I'm um, so really tuning into my cycle and, you know, taking it easy in the luteal phase. And then in the follicular phase, which is the first half of your cycle, I definitely have a lot more energy and I can go really heavy and strong. Is there an app you use for tracking your phases or are you just so, you know, like you literally work in the space. So you just know at all times. <laughs> I kind of know, but I actually just use Apple, the Apple health app. Oh, it tells um, you? So, yeah. Like that's where I track my periods. So once you track your periods for a few months, it'll start telling you or? Yes. But um, if, especially coming off birth control or if you're not really that regular and honestly, even if you are regular every month, it kind of shifts. Like, yes, there's a general rule of like in between your cycle, this is mm -hmm. probably your ovulation phase. But I've had times where I might have been more stressed, so my body delayed a week to ovulate, so I had a, a little bit of a longer cycle. So if you're trying to prevent pregnancy, I definitely wouldn't do that alone. Like, I would take basal body temperature and all these other things. Yeah. But for me, like, thankfully, my husband snipped, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> um, so it's just more so like, oh, yeah, I think I'm in my ovulation yeah. time. So I know in the next couple weeks, my energy is going to be decreasing a little bit, so I need to take it slower. Interesting. Okay. All right. When do you feel your happiest? 
Um, definitely outside. Um, even though I'm not an outdoorsy girl by any means, like don't like I'm the bougiest outdoorsy person <laughs> ever. Like I will not camp, but I love being. Um, we live in Austin and we live in hill country, and the hills are so incredible and mind blowing. Um, I love mountains too. When we go to Colorado and whatnot, but. I just love being in nature. It really does reduce my cortisol. I agree. Like I, I'm not outdoorsy, but I love being yeah. in the mountains and being outdoors. I, yeah. I understand. <laughs> okay. Lastly, what would be your last meal on earth? Um, this is such a good question. I'm such a mashed potato lover. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to try mashed potatoes everywhere I go. So I'm pretty basic in the sense of like steak, mashed potatoes and broccoli. Like that is like the most Yum. classic, but I think that would be my last meal. That sounds amazing. Sure. Okay. Where can the people find you and all things new V true wellness? We are mostly on Instagram. That's our favorite spot to be. So at new V true um, wellness, all one word. Um, you can find out what we do and who we are at www.newvtruewellness.com. We're pretty transparent on our packages and how we work, our pricing, et cetera, that you can check out. And then the next step would be to book a free 15 minute phone call with me where we can chat about your issue in particular and kind of come up with a game plan. And then we're on YouTube, New Wellness. I actually just started. No I've way. Been doing that. I've been doing that for a while, but I never promote it for some reason. Um, so I'm, I'm now promoting yes. and then, um, our podcast is functional nutrition radio. Awesome. Yeah. I've been loving your podcast because it's like very bite-sized and digestible. Yes. I love it so much. Um, okay. Well I'm on YouTube too. So I'm definitely going to check you out and subscribe. Mm. Um, thank you so much. This was so helpful. I feel like I could have talked to you for another hour. I'm definitely going to check out everything you guys offer. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.